There's nobody you walk by on the sidewalk that hasn't been affected by addiction in one way or another, but it's very stigmatized and you don't really talk about it. And this pandemic's affecting everything and your grief journey can look very different. I just believe that everybody's on it. We've all been heartbroken. We're all grieving something. You can still grieve the living. I've gotten to a point where the opinions just, they're silenced. Like I don't, I don't care because I love myself so much and because I can, I can see that what I'm doing is for the greater good. All Things Con Amor is the pursuit of holistic health, wellness, happiness, love, the things that really set our soul on fire. Enjoy the ride. Welcome back to All Things Con Amor. I am so excited to share today's podcast with you. We will be joined by the incredible Lex St. Cyr, who will take us through pieces of her grief journey and the loss of her brother. Lex found a way to pursue her passion as a way to cope with her loss and has built a really beautiful community as a result. I feel so lucky to have her as a guest and be able to share her story with you all and even luckier to now call her a friend. I hope you are ready to get vulnerable with us and without further ado, let's get into it. It is so, so absolutely beautiful to have you on. To begin, could you just tell everyone like a little bit about your background, like what it is that you're passionate about and like what it is that brought you to the things that you love? Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me. I absolutely love your podcast that it's about love. It's the coolest thing ever. Um, But yes, I'm Lex and I have a podcast of my own called Vulnerable. So very similar wavelengths of life and ourselves and what we put out into the world Mm -hmm. and how I actually came to that and came to my passion for podcasting and just vulnerability in general is when I was 19, I'm 23 now, so just over four years ago. So my oldest brother, Mitchell, actually passed away from a drug overdose and it was very sudden. He he struggled with addiction for 10 years before his passing and that you know, flipped my whole world upside down. Everything that you know about life just is completely different. And you have to start kind of understanding things and walking in a completely different light. And I noticed that grief was very hard, but then it also wasn't being talked about at all. And I love talking about my brother and I love, I mean, you can probably tell right now, it's like, this is the one thing that really brought me to what I love is not just him as who he was, but him in the way that he passed and the communication that we have in our spirituality now. And it's like my brother is living a life and his soul is free of all the pain that he had on this world. And that is what keeps me going in everything that I do and everything that I love is through that. So then at 19, uh, after he passed, I spent the first year really grieving and trying to cope and falling flat on my face a million times because that's what you do in life. And then I moved away. I up and moved everything to a different state away from my family. And I started living and loving everyone around me. And I created a podcast to talk about it. I originally started talking to a microphone in my room like a crazy person Mm -hmm. um, because (laughs) I was trying to understand my thoughts through my grief and trying to better understand myself. And I couldn't slow my mind down enough to write it in a journal. And I'm like, you know, I know that's very therapeutic and that my thoughts need to slow down, but maybe I need an extra stepping stone. Maybe if I speak it, then I can listen back to it and I can learn myself better that way. 
and I'll finally get to a point where my thoughts slow down. So that's what I did. I just started recording right on my laptop into GarageBand and then it became a podcast and people actually wanted to hear what I had to say and all the lessons that I learned along the way in my grief journey and in my life as a young adult. And now that's what I do. I upload each week and I have my Instagram and my website and my grief mentorship and it's all just taking off from there. And I think the coolest thing is, is that I'm able to build very compassionate connections with each person that I encounter because we're just so open with one another. It's very like, here's what I've gone through and here's why it's so beautiful. There's always something so great on the other side. So yeah, that's basically me. (laughs) Well, obviously, first off, I'm so, so sorry that your brother passed. I knew that through having listened to your podcast, but like, since you've talked about it so much, it must be easier for you to say, but like, I like whenever I talk about something like that like I can't say it without crying so like I really admire you for being so candid about it and that really shows like the strength and like the development you've had in terms of like turning something so painful into something good and beautiful and that actually benefits his memory like I'm I'm really really proud of you for that I'm sure you're proud of yourself you should be but (laughs) what has it been like to be a grief mentor like I know that has been like a more recent part of it what gave you the idea to really do like that part specifically other than just like the therapeutic part of podcasting and talking out recently that's a really good question I sought out when I moved away from everything that I knew I sought out support of course I think anytime people move to a new city, you want to find friends, you want to find all these things. Well, I went online and I looked for specifically grief from a substance passing kind of support. So that's, I found GRASP, which stands for Grief Recovery After Substance Passing. And it's just a free group that is made up of all these chapters. It's nationwide. Anyone struggling with this, I highly recommend looking it up. And I found my people very instantly. I walked into a room. This was back in 2018. I walked into a room with about 20 other all complete adults that are about my parents' age. It was so intimidating because I was listening to parents talk about how they lost their kid. The most unimaginable pain in the world is like your children. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. And to hear that, I mean, I sat there. And I was stone cold because I'm not really a crier. So mm-hmm. I was like, I in my head, I'm like, I'm never doing this again. I'm never coming back. This is awful. This is terrible. And I felt very invalidated in my grief and in my feelings. I'm like, why am I crying? This is my brother. Like, I can't talk to my parents about this. They had to bury their son. Like, this is horrible things. And I tried to bury all of that. And I really invalidated myself and my feelings. And the leader of the group reached out to me and was like, hey, we really loved having you. You have such a different insight on everything. We'd really love to have you back. And I was like, "Uh," and I prayed about it. And I'm like, you know, I should really go. And then I've been there for the last two and a half years now. And to bounce back and forth between different parents. We've had spouses coming in. We've had other siblings come in. We've had children who have lost their parent. I mean, addiction affects so many people. Yeah, everybody person new. It's such a big rippling effect. Yes, for sure. There's nobody you walk by on the sidewalk that hasn't been affected by addiction in one way or another, but it's very stigmatized and you don't really talk about it. So to be in a room full of people and to understand my parents grief in a way by seeing them through these people or understanding his wife's grief Mm -hmm. from hearing from other people it's 
really eye-opening and perception shifting. And I was thinking as I kept going along and I was struggling with as you're going through your grief journey, it's always ever changing. And I was really struggling with trying to actually find people I was relating to. As much as I love the people in my group and I'm so close with them, it was a revolving door of the young people that were coming in. And I got it because I was very intimidated and I hated hearing about it too when I first came. But I had to push through that and really comprehend and understand that there's so many in our age group that are hurting so bad and it's not talked about. We don't discuss like, when we go off to college and the the party scene that's there and how that can be very triggering to people with the trauma of addiction mm-hmm. and to lose a sibling that's life altering you're supposed to grow up with them my brother was supposed to be at my wedding there's he was supposed to know my kids and to you know have to deal with all of that i just felt like it wasn't discussed enough and i like you said i talk very candidly about it so everyone's usually very taken back and i'm like you know what we're going to make this normal we're going to normalize this because it's in everyone's life. And I think the majority of the pain that I went through was having to hide, having to hide that my brother was struggling through addiction. My, I have three older brothers, so he struggled with addiction, but another one of my brothers was also an alcoholic. He's now nine years sober. Mm -hmm. Um, But to have to hide that throughout my childhood and to think that it was this horrible thing when Addiction is. It's terrible, but there's a human being and a beautiful soul underneath it who's just struggling and who just needs a little bit of help like we all do. So I decided to have a little breakout group from the support group that I attend and I started leading that and that brought in more people. And I was like, you know, this is hard to do COVID-19 and all, and we are all attending college via Zoom. We can get so many more people together in a community where we can have you know, Slack to communicate and you can look through it and have, see uplifting messages and stories. And we can have, you know, one-on-one meetings with me. So you feel better supported and better understood. And we can just chat and talk about this part of you that you felt you really didn't know how to talk about. And it's such a cool thing to have and to see young people come together and work through one of the most painful things that's ever happened to them and freely feel comfortable in identifying with, hey, this is who I am and I can love this part of me. And that's why I think it's cool to kind of incorporate like what you're doing here about love is that you have to love the really, really crappy things about you. And that's the hardest part. Like it's really easy to love the good things. There's so many good things about us. And that's what we want people to see. But what if we show people that we love and we talk confidently on the things that others may think, oh, that's an ugly part of them. Mm-hmm. Like if you speak on it confidently, you're like, I really love this about me. Like I love that I've gone through this. And the reason that I have so much love in me to give is because of what I've gone through. You know, it's the only reason that I'm in so much pain in losing my brother is because I loved him. Like that's all grief is, is that you just love too hard. I mean, heck, is that even possible? Like I'll go through it a million times over. (laughs) And I think that a really important thing that you brought up was that like you felt really invalidated after the first few meetings. And so I love that you took that and you didn't just give up. Like, I think it's really impressive that you found a way to bring in people that you could relate to because at the same time, just because they're in a different type of pain doesn't mean that you're not in pain. You know, like there's always that whole like, oh, like someone else in the world has it so much worse. So then like, I can't really complain about my life. That's not fair at all. That's like comparing oranges to apples. So 
at the end of the day, I think it's really incredible what you've built. And I admire so much that you have challenged, I think, like the norms around it. And that was something I was really excited about having you on this podcast for is that, like you said, like grief and things like that aren't really normalized. They aren't really talked about. Like, I feel like a lot of times the societal norm might be to like give that person some space, but it's something that if you don't actually actively like acknowledge it and work through it it's gonna keep getting worse and it's gonna keep like sitting inside of you and I think so many things in life are like that and like I'm a big crier like I love crying it's like my way of physically releasing my emotions but I know that so many people like don't cry and I think it's really important that they have a way to feel like they're not alone in whatever it is that they're going through and so I, you probably make so many people feel like they're not alone. And that's like a really incredible thing. In terms of like what you were talking about, like with love and self-love, do you think that your path to self-love was really influenced by the work that you do? Did you sit with your own thoughts and like that was how you came to terms with it? And and it's not like it's like you're at that destination. It's like going to be like a journey for the rest of your life. But what does that mean to you in terms of like the work that you do and how much you love it and then in turn loving yourself so that you can keep doing it? I think that definitely the self-love part was sitting with my own thoughts and then that in turn made me open and realize how much love I could give to other people. Mm -hmm. I really love the cup analogy that everyone uses of like you can't pour from an empty cup Mm -hmm. and I felt very very empty. And the way that I explain it to a lot of people is that I felt like there was a hole in my cup, just like there was a hole. Yeah. Just like there was a hole in my heart. Like I lost my brother and that's never going to be filled. Mm -hmm. It's never going to look the same again, but that hole was there. And every time I tried or anyone else tried to put love into my cup, it was pouring out because there was a hole and it's like, okay, well, I'm staring at this hole. Just like you're staring at any problem in your life. It's a very painful one, but how can I make this work? Like, I can't just be staring at a hole because another one's going to pop up. Like, that's what happens with life. So I grabbed some duct tape and figured it out. And it doesn't look very pretty, but that life's never going to. And it holds. And it's yeah. going to be good. And guess what? Like, things are going to come along and they're going to tatter up that duct tape or however you patched up the hole. It's, it's going to open up again. And things are going to flood out. But when you anticipate that and you're like, hey, I've gone through it before. I can grab some some drywall. We can figure this out. Like, let's figure this cup out. You know, you don't get a new cup, Mm -hmm. but you can get very creative on it. So I started at the bottom of it and I'm looking at the hole and I'm like, how can I patch it up? And I sat with myself. I learned a lot about Jesus. I learned a lot about meditating. I learned a lot about all of these different things that I can do and that I can practice every day. That's Mm -hmm. super important. Just moving my body, just literally getting up out of bed and moving to a different part of the room was like my first different part of the apartment, I should say, Mm -hmm. like going from my room to just standing in the kitchen. I couldn't even think to make something to eat. I wasn't even hungry, but guess what? I made it here. And that's a first step. And that's something to be proud of. And then, you know, days later, I'm going to stand in the kitchen and I'm going to maybe make a piece of toast. Mm -hmm. Like you can't just, you know, go to the store and buy duct tape and come back and then put it on the cup. Like all of those steps are really, really big. And they can be really daunting to people when 
you really start first reflecting in and you see all of the holes that you have and you're like, whoa, I don't want to do it anymore. Let's just act like these aren't here. Mm-hmm. But it, you just take it day by day. You be consistent. You sit with your thoughts. You reflect on them. You understand that you're human. You realize so many more things about you that are so great to love and that more people should see. And little by little, you start retracting and then so many things build up and soon your cup's full and you're able to pour into other people. So it's like, I would have never thought in a million years, even two years ago, that I would be okay with building a whole business around grief and a whole community of people because I literally couldn't even get out of my own bed. Mm -hmm. But day by day, I mean, two years, I'm not good at math. You probably are. Um, That's a lot of days and you, you can do it consistently. And when you have people around you who support you, I always tell um, my friends, don't look for other people to pour into your cup. Mm -hmm. Don't expect that. Don't expect other people to just come into your life and fix you. Yeah. It's not going to happen. You're the only person that can do that. So just always know that they can support you. They can stand around you. They can cheer you on. And that's what you need people for. And that's what I'm here for. And that's what I I saw is that a lot of the resources that I was trying to grasp onto in my self-love journey and my grief journey, it was a lot of people telling me what to do. Mm -hmm. And I'm really bad at that. I'm really bad at taking in what people want me to do. I'm such a free thinker. I'm a very independent person that if someone tells me no, I'm going to be like, yes, I'm going to do it. Yeah. So really wanted to have a place where, you know, I just look at somebody and I don't hear what I need to do in these 5 million things. Like I need to get done before 8 a.m. And, you know, you have all these 5 a.m. routines that are on YouTube. It's just so daunting. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't do that. I'm unproductive. And then negative thought patterns hit. And it's like, how about I just have someone around me who tells me, hey, it's really amazing that like you woke up today. I'm so proud of you. Like words can cut deep, but they can also bring you to really high places. So I think that's like the coolest thing about my self-love journey is that I recognized the people around me Mm -hmm. weren't trying to tell me what to do or weren't trying to like fill up my cup and fix me. They were more so just really proud of me for doing the steps I I was doing on my own. So like really just like knowing that they were holding space for you instead of having all of these mm-hmm. expectations of you. I yes, really, for sure. I think that's super important because so many people, a lot of their issues in their relationships, like every relationship in their life comes from these unmet expectations. And it's also like, they don't even communicate those expectations. So how the other person can't read your mind, like as much as you would like them to, you need something specific from a person. You got to learn how to tell them what it is that you need from them. A lot of my friends and I have really worked on like asking before we like go on and vent, like, do you have the emotional space for me to vent to you right now? And I feel like that's like a really emotionally intelligent thing to do where it's like, you don't just expect this person to drop everything for you, but you let them know like, Hey, I'm reaching out because I need this right now. Like, can you be available to do that for me? And so I guess that's like really your role as the community leader. Yeah, definitely. I love the fact that you and your friends do that. That is so cool. And you're right. It's so emotionally intelligent to be able to do that and to be able to be on the other end of it and know that if you need something, but your friend's like, actually, I don't have 
that that capacity and that attention currently. Like I'm going through something myself, so I need to work through that today, but I'll reach out when I do have the space because like you're always my go-to. Like I'll be there for you. You know, how else can I support you right now? And using such language with people, it normalizes that. I mean, working as an autism therapist for my day job, I use that constantly with my clients, but I sometimes will lack to use it in my regular life. It's like, oh, this is professional. It's not personal. And it's like, no, you can learn all these things and you can use these things. Like you work in therapy, you should use it in your life. And that's a big hurdle that I'm currently going through, Mm -hmm. um, trying to set healthy boundaries and understanding that. And as young adults, that's difficult to do, Mm -hmm. but you just got to take in that information. And when opportunity comes in, be like, hey, actually, and understand that your action doesn't dictate the other people's feelings. Yeah. Because you put down this boundary, that doesn't mean if they get upset about it, that is not your fault. That's a really good point. Like, I definitely really struggle with that where I'm like constantly afraid of like saying the wrong thing or being misunderstood or like hurting someone's feelings just because like I would never want to be the source of someone else's pain. But then I, I think I need to get better at learning to say no and not explaining myself. Like I use med school as like a really good excuse a lot. Like when people need something from me and I'm like, I have an exam in two days and I have to cover six weeks of material in two days. And like, I will text you after my exam. Like that's really easy for me to do. But like for me to be able to say, like set my own boundaries with no excuses and just say, I cannot right now. Or like, I don't want to right now. I think that's something that we all need to get better about. Totally agree. Yeah, totally agree. I always come up with something. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's this like, kind of FOMO in a sense, like, I don't want you to just have to go to somebody else. Like, I want to be the person that's here for you. And I definitely struggled with that in knowing that tomorrow's not guaranteed. Yes. Like, that was something that my, you know, my brother taught me in his life is that, you know, you might wake up and the world could be different tomorrow. And we all realized that with COVID-19. You, mm-hmm. We literally woke up one day and the world was shut down. So I'm like, okay, well, I have to do it today. Like if I don't do it today, tomorrow might never come. And there was this really cool quote. I wish I could be like one of those cool people that can just pull out a quote and who said it out of my head, but I can't. And I don't remember who it was. And it talked about that if if somebody asks you to do something and you have a choice to choose between disappointing them or disappointing yourself, like always choose to disappoint them. That's so powerful because I'm such a people pleaser. Like I am like the type of person that will like stretch myself so thin because I told someone somewhere that I would show up. This past year, especially with like trying to learn to like be there for myself more, that's been something I've been working on. Like learning to be like, I I can't make it to that meeting. Like I would love to, but I can't, you know? Thank you for that point. I, I really think that like at the end of the day, it's so much easier for us to keep our commitments to other people than it is to ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's something we could all work on. I'm really like that in terms of going to the gym. If I tell one of my friends I'm going to meet them at the gym, like I will show up like rain or shine, snow or high water, you know what I mean? But like if I decide, oh, I'm in the mood to work out tomorrow, it's so much easier for me to cancel on myself than it would be on someone else. Definitely. Yeah. I think that's why sometimes like accountability partners, I see why they work yeah. so much. Because it's this psychological game of, well, I have to do it because I can't let them down. Mm -hmm. 
And um, even in like the community that we met in, I made it a point to not seek out an accountability partner and instead put it in that I'm my own accountability partner. Mm-hmm. So then every time I replace that with, I can't disappoint myself. Okay. I have to check in with myself. Like I have it in my calendar that I have to check in to see like I would with another human being, mm-hmm. but instead it's me sitting, looking at me in the mirror <laughs> and being Wait, like, that's so to beautiful do that. because who knows you better than you know yourself. You know, Mm -hmm. like you're going to get yourself more than anyone else ever will. I feel like so many times we put all of these expectations and obligations on external people and forces and we really don't need to. And I was at one point I was posting in like the little accountability group. I wanted to meditate every morning when I woke up. That was going to be like my morning routine. And like I stopped posting about it because I was like, I'm not doing this for anyone else. I also hate this whole, like, you have to do it every single day or it doesn't count because then it kind of takes away the whole, you miss a day, oh, you just give up. I would rather give myself the time and space to acknowledge that I woke up five minutes before a lecture. Like, of course, I'm not going to sit up in bed and meditate. I'm going to like run to the bathroom and brush my teeth and like, you know what I mean? Like try to look presentable. Knowing when I it's time to like give myself that grace that I need versus feeling like I let myself down because I skipped three days in a row is really important in terms of making it a really part of your routine rather than just something you think would be nice to do. Definitely. That's so powerful. That's such a powerful point because like the key word you said was grace. Like there is times where you have to give yourself grace. Yeah. Life throws things at you that is so unexpected. You can't just be like, well, I said I was doing this for 30 days, so I have to. Like, no, you don't. What you have to do is listen to your body. You need to listen to your heart and you need to understand what you need in this exact moment. And sometimes that is pushing through and that's a little bit of tough love. And other times you need to be, you need to coddle yourself. Yeah. You'd be like, you're okay right now. Let's get that pint of ice cream. It's I, fine. <laughs> the last two weeks. So it's, it's there's another one sitting in my fridge for my exam after Monday. I think it's such a good point that it's it's so important to notice the difference between the self-love and the, the tough love. There's a big difference between being like giving yourself grace and just like quitting on yourself and not doing what you need in that moment. So I feel like having to differentiate between those two can be a very fine line. Another thing, I wanted your opinion on like the best way you can show up for someone who is going through their own grief journey, because I'm sure like all of us are going to encounter someone else that we care about is going through it at some point. And so knowing like how it is that we can best show up for them, I think would make us all better humans, you know, right now in terms of not only like in terms of how many people have lost people because of COVID, but also the things that we have expected out of life and have lost because of the pandemic. Like people are kind of forgetting that we're still going through a lot. Yes, definitely. I think it's important when you're talking about grief that it isn't just someone died. So you're on a grief journey. On my latest podcast episode, I dove into my first love and my first heartbreak, which was basketball. Mm -hmm. Um, Basketball is my entire world, my whole life. And due to medical reasons, I, my career was taken from me in college and it was this grieving journey. And I'm still on it because my relationship with basketball is very emotional. And I see all of these high school athletes and college athletes that are getting their whole seasons taken from them because of this pandemic. And some careers are getting really altered. And it's terrible to see that and to see the mental struggle you go through with that. I mean, you know, suicide rates are up. It's just 
everything. This pandemic's affecting everything. And your grief journey can look very different. I just believe that everybody's on it. We've all been heartbroken. We're mm-hmm. all grieving something. You can still grieve the living. Yeah. So I think the best way that you can show up for people is to not set expectations for them. I think one of the worst things that I hear ever is the, how are you question? Like when you say, oh, hi, how are you? And I'm from the Midwest. So there's this this Midwestern hospitality that is just so strong that like you really want to put on a face and you put on a front and it's so natural just being like, oh, I'm good. No, I'm actually, I'm actually not good. Why am I saying that? Mm -hmm. And now I'm lying to myself. I'm lying to them and I'm lying to myself and I'm, I'm not okay. So I, I challenge people all the time to say, make sure you let people know exactly how you're feeling. Definitely. And the first year of my grief journey, I was blinders. Nothing, nothing happened. You couldn't even talk to me about it. I was stone cold and I was perfectly fine. I was functioning like a normal adult because Mm -hmm. I, develop, you know, a lot of workaholic tendencies to cope. Mm -hmm. And it was seen in society as, oh, this is great. So nobody felt the need to show up for me because I wasn't vulnerable enough to tell people I'm actually not okay right now. Mm -hmm. Because I felt that it would be weak to me. Like if I said that I wasn't okay, then I'm, I'm weak and I can't succeed in what I want to do. So we always try to do this thing where we don't, we just don't ask people how they're doing unless we really really want to know because mm-hmm. that's a that's a can of worms that you can open up like if I'm asking you how you're feeling I want to know exactly how you're feeling if you're not okay right now that's perfectly fine but I'm not going to push you to talk about it just say I'm really hurting today I'm really sorry about that mm-hmm. hopefully you're going to feel some, some support in this group today like if you just need to sit back and listen and not talk do that for yourself. But to show up for people and to not put this expectation for them to put on a mask Mm -hmm. and something just as simple as an everyday, hi, how are you situation? Like that's something that causes a lot of anxiety for grieving people. You know, even if you are an athlete or you're getting anything that you love taken away from you during this pandemic, you're not okay. Your life's completely different. All of our lives are completely different. Mm -hmm. And we kind of brush it off with humor sometimes and say, Oh, you know, it's going. It it is what it is. I mean, yeah, I'm dying inside because I'm taking 33 credits, but it's fine, you know. But like a lot of days, it's not fine. Yeah, and that should be totally normalized. Of yeah. if I if the cashier asks me and I'm like, oh, I'm I'm actually not having a good day. I'm not asking for her to be my therapist. Mm-hmm. Like she asked me a question, I answered honestly, and it's a good way for for self love to be like, hey you were honest in that moment. That's really good for you. I love Mm -hmm. that about you. And for her to realize and understand what vulnerability looks like day to day. Yeah. Like that's just what it is. With the whole, how you said that you were scared that you would be perceived as weak if you were to say that you weren't okay is so interesting to me because I feel like it takes a lot of strength to say I'm not okay. It brings like a little bit of a level of discomfort to the conversation. Yesterday, my friend Molly and I were talking about this where like when people ask you like, how are you really? And she answers super candidly. Like she was like, I feel like it makes them uncomfortable because they like don't know what to do. 
And so I guess that was also like my question, how mm. to best react to that, you know, on what yeah. level can you like, I guess it's, it's pretty personal. Cause like, I'm the type of person where like, when I'm upset, I don't want to be left alone. I feel abandoned if I do get left alone, whereas some other people need a lot of space. Yeah. And I think it's really cool because we, we handle our emotions very oppositely. So it's good to have this in a conversation because I'm the type of person that needs that space. I don't cry. I will handle this myself. And in my self-reflection and my self-love journey, I've realized why that is. And because I know the why through my trauma and the codependency and the addiction in my life, I'm like, hey, that's why I am the way I am. Good to know. Now I can combat it and I can move on with my life. I think that's the cool thing about um, vulnerability is that it makes the conversation uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I really like uncomfortability. Um, One of my favorite quotes from one of my favorite basketball players of all time, Steve Nash says that I want to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. That's the goal. And that's exactly what it should be. Like you should be, you should make yourself uncomfortable every single day. Mm -hmm. And I see the way that I look at it is I'm going to bring this up and I'm going to say this just as like dropping the bomb that comes up all the time that my brother's dead. I use self-deprecating humor constantly because it's a way that I cope. And in a normal conversation as a bartender, you know, people are like, oh, how, you know, you have like family. And I'll be like, yeah, I have three older brothers. They're like, oh, cool. Are they married? Do they have kids? And I'll just straight up say like, yeah, actually I have three nieces you know, this brother, that brother. And, you know, my oldest brother is actually still just continuing his journey. Um, Like his soul is still continuing his journey. And we lost him on this earth in 2016. And people get uncomfortable. And I'm like, whoa, like I was just talking about my nieces and how much I love them. And I'm talking about him and how much I love him. And they're like, you're really, you seem really happy about that. Like I've had people say that and get so uncomfortable and I, and I just tell them, I'm like, you know, Hey, like teaching moment. I always see it as a teaching moment. Like next time when somebody brings something up or you're feeling uncomfortable in a conversation, maybe if you don't want to have this conversation anymore, just say, Oh, thank you for sharing and leave it at that. I think what really Mm -hmm. gets me is when there's this whole notion of toxic positivity where it's like, oh, like that sucks, but like you still have all of these good things to be happy about. That really, really bothers me where there's like this weird expectation to be happy all the time. That's really unnatural. Very. Yeah. Very. Yeah. It's very weird. I, I also do not like when people uh, say that to me, like, oh, well you lost your brother, but you still have two other ones. Like that doesn't help at all. Like what not to say is that in that situation or, you know, it's like, I know all the things that I'm happy, like that I have to be happy about. That's not what I'm talking about right now. Um, The only reason I can experience happiness is because I know what sadness feels like. So yeah, I would definitely say that that would be the worst thing to say. I've had very, I mean, a million stories that I could say of very awkward situations, but the best thing is always thank somebody for conversing with you. It's Mm -hmm. always a thank you for this, you know, highlight the positive without shoving it down their throat. Like, thank you for sharing that with me. It's really amazing that you can be, you can be vulnerable. I mean, my word is vulnerable. Clearly I have a whole brand on it, but Mm -hmm. I always tell people like, wow, that vulnerability is so much strength. Like that just gave me power in hearing you say that, even if it's something that I 
don't want to hear about, or it's something that's very triggering to me. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, wow, that's incredible. I'm so happy that you can be vulnerable with me. It's a really big step. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's awesome. So you can highlight it without saying something like, oh, I'm sorry, but like, there isn't a, but actually there's no, there is no, but. And that's a big part of like validating everything that you're feeling because everything that you feel like it is never up to someone else to tell you how to feel, you know, like, especially like in two people disagreements where they're like, oh, but I didn't like mean it that way. It doesn't matter how you meant it. If it came across the wrong way, like that doesn't, that doesn't mean that the other person shouldn't feel hurt by it, you know? For sure. It's always my go-to line is, I'm sorry you feel that way. Mm -hmm. I can be a very abrasive person and I can be the one that comes off a little bit too blunt and not understanding feelings and situations. I'm really working on that as a person, Mm -hmm. but I think it's also a part that I do love about me that I'm a very honest, straightforward person. But whenever I can see like, oh, that didn't come off the way I wanted to. Okay. But instead of putting myself down and being like, wow, Lex, you suck because you can't communicate that properly. I'm just like, hey, I said my truth. Mm -hmm. That was good for me. And I'm really sorry that you feel that way. Mm -hmm. That wasn't my intention. But instead of, you know, telling them you shouldn't be sad about that. That's not what I meant. Mm -hmm. Like, don't tell them how they should feel. Just say that you're sorry for whatever they are feeling. And that's a good way to apologize. I think that even just as women, we're always quick to apologize. Yeah. I'm I'm sorry for doing this. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry for doing that. I'm sorry for literally living my life. Like, just weird. What really gets me is when like, sometimes I'll post a lot on my story and then I'll be like, sorry for like blowing up your phone. But it's like, I'm not sorry. Like a lot of people enjoy the things I post. If you don't like what I post, then don't look at it. No one's forcing you to look at anything. Yes, for sure. And if I like, I don't need to apologize for living my life and nobody like you also shouldn't apologize for your feelings. Like if I feel good, I shouldn't apologize for that. Yeah. And if I feel bad, like if something you did made me feel bad, I'm not going to apologize for the way I'm feeling just as I don't expect them to apologize for making me feel that way. It's never like a victim mentality for me where I'm like, it's all their fault. Like, Mm -hmm. no, they did what they thought was best in the situation just as I did what I thought was best. They're feeling different feelings than I'm feeling. They are valid. I am valid. That's it. They can only ever meet you at the point that they're at. They can only ever understand your perspective if they're at that level. So it's like when you are misunderstood, like it's, it has nothing to do with you and it has everything to do with them. Thousand percent. Yep. It's that, that cup analogy. Like they're going to treat you like you have an empty cup and holes in it. If that's how they perceive their own cup. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is what it is. And no matter how much you're pouring into their cup, Like you don't know how many holes are in it. You don't know how much water they have. You don't know if it's overflowing. And that's the beauty about being vulnerable with people is why don't we just show each other, each other's freaking cuffs so we can better help each other. This is where I'm really, really sensitive. And if you say something about this Mm -hmm. topic, it will hurt my feelings. But this is where like, you can make all the jokes you want and I'm fine because I'm confident about that, you know? Yes, definitely. And if we can just literally bring that cup into any conversation, it's things go so much smoother. A lot of conflict would could be so much just avoided if we could all just open up like that and see the 
the confidence that comes in it. I think you're so right in saying that it's very strong for people to open up. And that was something I, I had to learn the hard way, but to see the strength that I have in myself and my confidence, my self-love, it all came through being able to open up to people and talk about it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, look at, look at that. And now that's what I, I, um, I love about other people. I like search for that in other people, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm looking at the guy that I'm seeing or, you know, friends that I want in my life, wherever I put my energy in, I want to make sure that that is mutual and that it's a two-way street that I'm not constantly guessing. Like it's Mm -hmm. this big guessing game. And then that's where anxiety really comes in. A lot of social anxiety. It's because you don't want to offend somebody. You don't want to, you know, this or that. And people aren't accepting enough to be like, oh, I didn't mean it that way. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm really, I'm sorry. That feeling must be really hard to deal with. Yeah. I, you know, can't imagine that. And it's not being a bitch for lack of a better word. It's just being honest. Mm-hmm. And especially as women, like I say it all the time, like we need that. We need to be able to do that and we need to be able to stand up for each other in doing so. It's so exhausting where it's like, I feel like there's almost this automatic comparison between women where it's so easy for people to tear each other down. And where does that come from? Why do we find other strong, confident women so intimidating? There are so many statistics that show that the more powerful and successful a man is, the happier he is perceived and the more he's liked. Whereas if you put the same on a woman and like if she were to talk about her accomplishments or being the CEO of a company, the more she's seen with aggression or intensity. I really want to talk about that more often so that it can be normalized as well. You know what I mean? Like showing up as your best self is never a bad thing. Completely agree. Yes. I speak on this a lot is that I'm from a very small rural place, the upper peninsula of Michigan. For anyone that's listening, I'm very proud that you know where that is because a lot of people think it's Canada. (laughs) Um, We're not Canada. Michigan actually has two peninsulas. So it's very small and everyone knows everybody. I think my hometown had like 8,000 people in it and we are considered one of the biggest towns in the UP. Oh my God. So it's very, it's so cool though. I say all the time because I talk about my hometown a good amount that it was the best place to grow up. I'm so happy I had the first 18 years there. People are so kind and caring and they'll do anything for you. Like the community always has your back. But on the flip side, you're constantly under a microscope. It's like everyone knows, it thinks they know everything and you have to put up smoke and mirrors in this image so people don't know the things you don't want them to know. And one thing can get, you make one mistake, like your reputation's tarnished. Uh, Like you're, it's, it can be a very toxic place. And that's why I'm very happy I grew up there, but I have the choice to just visit and see the happy things. So like bringing it back around to what we were talking about. When I started everything that I was doing, I wasn't directly there anymore. Mm -hmm. Like I was putting my life out onto the internet. Right. Where did you get the power and like the confidence to really be yourself on the internet and pursue what it was you wanted to do? I truthfully, like the most raw truthful answer is I got fed up. I was so like just sick and tired of building an image that wasn't even me, Mm -hmm. not for myself, like for literally for other people who still found things to talk about outside of it. Like I cared so much about being perceived as negative because I was confident and I was very independent and I 
wasn't doing what everybody else was doing. Mm -hmm. I was seen as a threat or whatever. And that's, I mean, obviously that's not me being like this pick me girl or anything. It's just like, no, I, I worked really hard to become the person that I am. And I wanted resources when I was in like a really deep, dark place that Mm -hmm. I couldn't find. I couldn't find anyone that really understood me, especially coming from such a small area. Mm that it's like, well, you know what, I'm just going to do it myself. And I knew the scrutiny that was going to come from it. And it's it's still going on. I mean, like literally, since this isn't my podcast, I don't mind talking about it. Like, I swear half of the listens I get are just people being nosy. Yeah. Half the views that I have on my things are just for people to look at and laugh at. And I know, I know it. Like, I'm already aware of that because of the environment I grew up in. But it doesn't matter. Like it's, I've gotten to a point where the opinions just, they're silenced. Like I don't, I don't care because I love myself so much. And because I can, I can see that what I'm doing is for the greater good and how really bad of a place they have to be in to talk poorly about someone who's living out their passion. Yeah. And it's like, I just pray for them, I guess. Mm -hmm. Cause there's nothing else you really can do. And that was, again, like something else I was so excited to bring you on for was that like, we, like you obviously are like so much deeper into like starting your podcast than I am, but like, you totally get it. And it gets to the point where I got to the point where I was just like, I'm so tired of caring about like whether or not people think it's annoying. If I post me doing yoga on my story, like it's my story. I can post whatever I want. And again, like if they don't like it, they don't have to watch it. Nobody's forcing them to. And just knowing that, if you are not showing your truest self, then that's like a way that you're being fake. Does that make sense? Yeah. And also for me, really, if I'll get one in like 100 people that watch will be like, I really needed to see or hear this today. Like, thank you so much for this. And that means the world to me. And that 110% makes up for whoever might be talking badly about me. And at the end of the day, if they are like, I don't know about it. I don't really care. I don't need to know. If I ever do get to the point where my platform is big enough that I have trolls or like people DMing me mean things, I'm just going to block them. Like I don't have the time or space to give them any of my energy. Like my energy is worth so much more than that. Yes, that's so true. Like to know your your worth in that sense Mm -hmm. of how valuable your time is, how valuable your your love is. Your love is so valuable. Like you can't just be, if you gave it away to everybody, your cup would be empty. So you have to be very picky and choosy about that Mm -hmm. and know, like figure out whose opinions actually do matter. Yeah. And it's not the girl that I like went to high school with. That's just not where the opinion matters at all. I hope that like people seeing us pursue what we're passionate about inspires them to do the same thing. Cause I feel like so many people don't actively go for what they want because they're so scared of other people's opinions of what other people would think if they like, switch to like, a different job that might not be as lucrative or like if they move to a different town or like if they just like restarted and pursued whatever it is that they wanted to. Why are you letting other people's opinions stop you from living your life? Yes, absolutely. It's, it's so... It's such a weird concept when you put it into words like that. Like when you hear it that way, you're like, wow, that that was a really dumb thought that I had, Mm -hmm. you know, and bring it back to the whole women thing. It's because we're afraid people are going to think we're seeking attention. Yeah. Oh, look, she's posting these pictures of herself because she wants attention. Um, No, I'm posting it so people can get something out of it. And that one person, that one person that messages me saying that's what they need to hear on my caption today mm-hmm. makes it all worth it. That's all, that's all I care about. I, 
was putting out content like for my podcast and the first episode that I ever put out had I think like eight listens in the first like day and I was like oh I'm famous everybody I'm like this is I'm so cool like I thought I was gonna put it out there and nobody was gonna care inside us I could have had one I was like eight people great this is awesome and I even had some people reach out to me and be like I would love to come on and I was like what I don't even know what I'm doing (laughs) I didn't even edit this (laughs) like I am so like that's the falsified thing like I don't have it together Mm -hmm. I have no idea what I'm doing and that's why I don't want to put it out there and that's like my voice in my head I'm the least graceful person and I teach yoga. And it's so funny to me that you said that you hated the first grief meeting you ever went to because I hated the first yoga class I ever went to. I just said this on my last podcast that I like, I literally just released it yesterday. So not a lot of people have listened, but yeah, I hated yoga. I thought it was so ridiculous. I was like, I'm upside down. I don't know what's coming next, but everybody else does. The teacher keeps saying words that I don't understand because you know some teachers speak Sanskrit, and so they they'll yeah. the poses by their Sanskrit names, which like I want to be able to do one day. I know a lot of the poses, but not all of them. But I feel like that's something that really freaks people out when they like first come to yoga and they like are hearing Sanskrit and they're like, what's going on? And downward dog is really hard if you haven't practiced it before. I will give everyone that yes. it's, it's a hard, like, it's hard to like be upside down and like have your back straight and all of your weight on your arms. Like my arms were not strong when I started yoga. And if I don't do yoga for like two or three weeks, I'll suddenly have like soreness in my upper back. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? And then I realize it's just, it's downward facing dog. And you spend like half the class in that pose. And I've noticed that usually the things that I didn't like the first time, I, that's what I end up absolutely loving. I mean, every single time it's like, oh, that was a bad experience. Like you always have to give it, like it's a three rule. That That's always a thing. Like I'll go three okay. times mm-hmm. and then I'll evaluate and see if maybe this is something I need to push through or something that yeah. is just really not for me. Mm-hmm. But regardless, it's going to get you out, out of your comfort zone because it's not something you're used to. I actually, the first yoga class I ever did was in college. I signed up for a yoga like class, like oh, so I would get credit for it. Uh huh. Oh my god, I dropped that class so quick. I was like, oh my goodness, and I was a college athlete at the time. It was the hardest things I have ever done. I'm, and I took it with a few of my other like athlete friends, and mm-hmm. we were like, this, like we're in shape, but we're not in this shape. Yeah. Like one of my best friends from home, Claiborne, he is like, he like loves the gym. He's like one of those people that spends like two hours in the gym every day. He like bodybuilds, whatever he does. And then I'll take him to a yoga class and he'll be like, why does it holding a high plank make me shake? He's like, I can lift like 250 pounds and I can't hold this high plank with you. And I'm like, this is for everyone that ever thought that yoga was a joke. There, there are some yoga classes that are restorative and you lay there with your legs up the wall for 50 minutes, but don't knock it till you really? try it. You know what I mean? Completely agree. Yeah, I'm totally about it. I got back into it like during quarantine mm-hmm. because it's like the one easy thing to do at home. Mm-hmm. Like you can literally do it anywhere. Yeah. And it's super cool. My um my boss, one of my supervisors is a yoga instructor mm-hmm. and she's like crazy. Good. She's in her 30s now and she's been doing it since she was like my age. So she's like just advanced and she does it with our clients. And it's just so cool to see them like so connected with their body. Yeah, It's just super neat to do it with, you know, people who have autism and Mm -hmm. like struggle with different connections. 
it's just like the coolest thing ever. And I always sit there and I'm trying to do it and I'm struggling and they're laughing at me. And I'm like, Hey, like do what you need to do. Don't worry about me right now. Like this is about you be in line with your body. Stop it. (laughs) How it like brings you into the present moment. Like in a really good yoga class, you'll blink and it'll be the end. And that's like, it's so cool when you're like so present that you don't feel time. Yes. It's yeah. Super, super cool. The, some of the classes that I went after I dropped my one yoga class, I think it was the instructor. You have to have like a good relationship with your instructor. Yeah. It's just like in, in anything, I feel like you, you, you aren't going to succeed in something if you, if you don't have a teacher that you understand and that like understands you and isn't your style, your style. And that's why there's so many different people who have all different styles. So you can find someone that you can connect with. And I, I did, I found someone and I was like, oh, this is so cool. And I was into it for about like three months. And then, you know, it was every excuse in the book not to go and all that jazz. But yeah, it's still just like super neat. I should just get back into it because it's just easy to do at home. I think some people really like like tough love when they're like doing a workout, but I'm very much so like, if you don't feel like doing the pose I'm telling you to do, you don't have to do it. Like no one's forcing you to do anything. I don't care. Always like you are the, you are your own, like the person being the hardest on you. And so it's like, what like what if we took all of that energy we spend being mean to ourselves and instead we were just like it's really great that you're doing this like good job you know like that was a lot of effort and like it was it like for me the effort is like sitting down and showing up it's not even the recording it's not even the editing it's like starting is like really scary for me so like forcing myself to sit down and start that's I think what I have to be proud of myself for Yes, I totally agree. I think that's the big, the first step's the hardest every time. Once you get on a roll, you're, you're good. Like you're completely on a roll. Once you put it in your routine, it's like nothing to you. That's amazing that you even like went to New York. I'd panic. (laughs) I mean, everyone says they love the city, but I'd freak out. I love it and I hate it. And I'm like going to do a full on episode about all the things I love and hate about it. But like, it's something oh, I'm so excited for that. And so here I am, you know, I never wanted to like, yeah, be old and married and be like, I wish I had lived in the city in my 20s. Like I always wanted to like, I didn't want any regrets. So many people have so many things that they want, but they just tell themselves that it's out of their reach when it's really not. And that was I think my real purpose in this podcast was loving yourself enough to go for what it is that you love and what you want, no matter what anybody else thinks because it's your life. Exactly. You literally just summed it up right there. You're so right. And it's so cool that you've taken that step to to do it. The amount of times that I've had people reach out to me and they're like, hey, I really want to do a podcast. And I'm like, yes, you should. But like you, you and one other person are the only ones that have actually like done it in in fruition of us talking. Mm -hmm. And like, I've gotten to this point with them. Like, it's powerful that it's like, Hey, you can, you can do it. Like, and in everything that, that you are doing, like you're literally a med student. Like, don't tell me that you don't have time to do it. That You don't have time to like live out your daydream. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You can make time for whatever it is that's important to you. Yes, I don't watch Netflix anymore. I feel so fulfilled making content where people are like that. I love doing your yoga when I wake up. It puts my like day in the best mood. And I'm like, that is a million times better than any episode of any TV show, except for Bridgerton. I binge watched all of Bridgerton. There was no stopping that. But so I, I just choose what to do with my time. Like I very intentionally, I'm like, I have half an hour. I could watch one of the lectures for tomorrow instead of 
Like I literally put my phone on do not disturb and throw it on the couch. That's the only way I can really get into it. Yes. And it's that discipline. Like you have to have the, that's where the hard work comes in when people are like, you need to work hard for the things that you want. Like it's all about discipline. It isn't necessarily filling up your schedule with so many things that you burn out. It's more so just having discipline to figure out and prioritize like what's important to you. Like Mm -hmm. is your, you know, schoolwork and your career important to you? do that is podcasting more important to you if you're putting it up against something like Netflix yeah like you're gonna have to choose there's only so much time in a day Mm -hmm. and you have to see the bigger picture I think the things that make us happy in that exact moment you know sitting down and editing two hours worth of footage sucks sometimes I don't want to do that in the moment but it's still going to pay off in the end. And you have to have that goal there constantly. I literally have a whiteboard right ahead of me on my wall that's showing me every single day, like what my dreams and goals are, because you need to see it. You Mm -hmm. need to know that um, even on my last episode, I had someone ask me what my biggest dream in life is. And I'm like, well, it's my biggest goal because whatever you dream, like it's going to happen. Like it's it's going, if you just speak it into existence, like I told them that like professionally, my goal is to have Sean Mendez on the podcast because I think he's just such a beautiful soul, Uh like music and artistry aside, he, the way he talks about vulnerability and how he's dove into all of it. It's like, Mm -hmm. that's the type of person that I need to have tell their story and reach people the way that he does. I mean, there's a reason that he's an A-list celebrity (laughs) and that he's so successful. Yeah. So that's what I said. I was like, oh, I want this. And some people messaged me today and we're like, that's a really big goal. And I'm like, that's the point. Like, That's literally the point. It's so doable. I feel like anything in life is doable if you just go for it. So many people don't go for things because they think it's too out of their reach. But like, what would be the worst thing if you tried? Like if it's a no without you trying and like you think it'll be a no if you try, you might as well attempt and that way you can say you tried. So like anybody listening to this right now, this is my request to you. Um, Lex's Instagram is going to be in the caption. I want you to go to her Instagram and tag Sean Mendez in the comments on her latest post. That's going to be like the new thing. We're just going to start tagging <laughs> in the comments on your post. Yes. Oh my gosh. Tagging him every day. I feel like he went kind of quiet. So like maybe the day will come where he sees your Instagram. That's amazing. I love that. Yes. No, we need to. We need to just, I'll start doing it myself. Like my first comment, I always like to hide my hashtags. I just put a dot. Instead, I'm going to put at Sean Mendez and he's going to see everything that I'm doing because it's just, it's amazing. Like I think to have notification, he'll see at some point. I guarantee it. Absolutely. You're so right. Yeah. Just, you have to be persistent. Like that's what it is. Is that something that you want? Mm -hmm. go get it. I think one of the coolest things to kind of speak to everybody out there of like how dreams can actually happen. I'm in a mentoring group and I've literally dropped everything to go out to California in March. Wait, you're going? Girls that I met on the, I'm going. (laughs) Yeah. That's so exciting. It's so exciting. And, um, Oh. it's insane. It's insane how it happened. Okay. Like it was a pipe dream to go out to LA mm-hmm. and to create content and to be with like-minded women. Mm-hmm. And now it's, it's happening. I booked, I still don't even have a flight booked back if I'm being honest with you. And I'm going to 
do what I can do to make my dreams happen. Mm -hmm. And all it took was a a $48 flight to go to California. Literally just say yes. Like just show up for yourself. Like no one else is going to show up for you. You need to show up for yourself. Yeah. I mean, you just take that leap and be like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go do this and just put it out to other people. I bet other people want to do it. Yeah. So all you got to do just put it, put it out there in obviously never put anything above the relationships you have in your life. I mean, the human connection is everything at the end of the day. Number one. So So many people sacrifice human connection, like for the sake of other things. And it's so, I really think that's like the root of like how, like the rates of depression in our society and like all these things is because like people will put like their salary over like keeping relationships strong. And then like at the end of the day, every time you ask anyone on their deathbed, like what they regret, it always has to do with like the time they spent with the people they loved like no matter how much money they have. So incredibly grateful for your essence and your spirit and everything you just brought to this conversation and the way that I know it's going to resonate with so many people and touch them so deeply. And if you are listening to this and you have been through like any type of really huge traumatic loss, which like I'm sure we all have with how things have been, Lex would be an incredible mentor to like help you on your journey. Again, like her Instagram and everything will be in the caption for this episode. But Lex, if you want to say where they can find you. Oh yeah. My personal Instagram is Lex.SaintSeer. I have a funky last name. So it's and it's I yeah, I like it. It's French. So that's L-E-X dot S-T-C-Y-R. Um, and then my podcast is Vulnerable with Lex. It's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And our Instagram for the podcast is vulnerable.withlex. And my um, website, so everything mentorship, uh, going through like grief group, all of that jazz is just vulnerablementorship.com. So very easy to the point. Nothing is... I like anything as complicated as my last name. We were just trying to get rid of that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, thank you so much for having me on. Like th- I thrive in this and just having deep conversations with strangers. I mean, we've just been talking over Instagram DM, I feel like for a while now. Yeah. And now it's like this real life conversation and everyone got to be a part of it. Yes, which is so cool. I hope that anybody listening can like really resonate with the fact that you can just shoot your shot and be here and I swear that by the end of 2021 that I'm gonna be in New York and we're gonna be hanging out so (laughs) it's gonna be great Excited. Yeah. We'll film another episode and then be like, see, we told you guys we manifested it into reality. And you can find my podcast on Instagram at all things con amor. And I am Stephanie Arnuk. My Instagram handle is just my name. So we will see you when we see you. Thank you again for listening and sharing your time with us. And I hope that you have the most beautiful rest of your day.